Hello and welcome to Stupid Sequence, the show where we make ranked lists of things that don't matter because arguing with your friends is fun. I'm your host, Josh. And I'm your host, Scott. This is our fourth episode, and we'll start with a quick summary of what the show is. The goal of each episode is to create a ranked list of something, usually media-related. Now, normally Scott and I each bring a list of ten to go over, but this week we're going to do something a little different. Today we have our very first guest on the show. It's my dad, Dave. Hello. Dave, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, I am, uh, obviously, Josh's uh, father. And uh, I, I don't know, I feel maybe a little bit insulted that they invited me to part of the episode that's uh, the subject that it is today. I don't know if I should feel slighted by that or not. Well, we'll get to that in a second here. <laughs> no, you, you should not. Let me tell you how to feel, Dave. No, you should Tell not. me, please. Please. Yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I have four kids. Josh is the oldest, and uh, I work at a bank because that's a very exciting career. It's actually the top career among pop professional podcasters. I don't know if you knew that. Did not know that. All right. Well, normally our first segment consists of Scott and I talking about the first five items from each of our lists in detail, why we feel they fit the list, why they're special to us, or maybe some interesting facts about them. Since we have a guest this week, each of us has instead brought a list of four items to discuss. From there, we'll use the second segment to briefly mention the remaining items on our separate list, or maybe some honorable mentions. We'll see how it goes this week uh, before we go to head-to-head and argue over which items belong on the official top 10. Since this is our first episode with a guest, we're kind of playing around with the format a bit, so we'll see where it goes. And, you know, maybe that format sticks with future guests, maybe it doesn't. This week's topic, what we're going to be talking about is Worst Fictional Fathers. So, of course, I had to get my dad on to discuss this topic. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You know, do I feel, although I'm not a fictional father, I am a real That's father. That's true. You, you are not fictional. You are disqualified from this list. <laughs> Hold on. I got to make an adjustment to my list now. Yeah, I'll make an adjustment to your list. So we wanted to keep it to fictional fathers just because if you, you know, frequently we'll do stuff that's media related and there are, you know, real life fathers that are present in media. We felt like that would be maybe a little depressing to get into real life things when we're talking about actual worst fathers, so mm. we're just going to stick with fictional for now. Smart. Uh, other items, uh, other rules that we have for this topic uh, has to be a either a biological dad or a stepdad counts or some kind of like actual adopted dad. Being just a generically a father figure doesn't qualify for the list. So. Actually, I have to have formally accepted some kind of responsibility in the narrative to be uh, considered a father. Or I guess even if you haven't accepted the responsibility, if you're a biological father, you're still making the list. Hmm. Funny how that works. Mm-hmm. You can't escape it. No, even when you try. <laughs> I, I think if we did the list of including those that are not actually an official father figure, but were just a figure in general, we would find that the majority are actually quite good people, and they probably wouldn't make the list anyway. So 
Yeah, the where I, I I wanted to make that distinction, and Scott and I were kind of trying to come up with an example of a negative father figure that isn't actually a dad. And the best one, the best one I think we ended up coming up with was um, Fuchs from Barry. Oh yeah, who is yeah, very much sure. a father figure to Barry, but is a terrible, terrible person and a terrible yes. father figure to him. So, but he doesn't qualify because he's not making the list. Let's jump into what is actually on our list. Since we're bringing the top four today, we're going to be starting with Scott's number four. What do you got? Okay, let's kick it off. So today, my number four top top uh, worst fictional fathers, I have Butter's dad from South Park, Stephen Stotch. Okay. Now, for those who don't know Stephen, he is Butter's father. He is abusive, he is cowardly, and he is overly strict. I mean, he, he frequently grounds Butters for absolutely no reason, other than just, Butters, you're grounded. And you're like, well, okay, great. He never listens to Butters when he's trying to explain something about why he behaved in a certain way. Uh, and as a result, he just gets grounded anyway. Uh, he tried to sell Butters to Paris Hilton in one episode for like $250 million, which, you know, I don't know how, much, how many things could be worse than being sold to Paris Hilton. Um, he brutally beat Butters for cursing him out over the phone, but it was actually Cartman that was swearing at him over the phone. And so Butters got the rapture for that. And he also indicated that in general, bullying is a hobby of his. And that's why he does it to Butter so often. So he's just, he belittles him, he berates him, minor offenses, uh, which he probably did, but blame Butters anyway. He's just constantly putting him down, and there are very few, if any, redeeming qualities about him. There's one episode where he maybe tried to revive him, but. I think it's a debatable episode. We won't get into the specifics of that one. It's just, broadly speaking, he's absolutely awful. Real quick, before we go any further, I just want to jump in and say something I forgot to mention earlier. Given the nature of this topic, we might get into some unpleasant things on this show, on this episode. Uh, yeah. uh, so just be aware, you know, fathers mm, in trigger fiction warning. have done a lot of very oh, yeah. negative things. So we're going to be talking about maybe some unpleasant things here and there. Um, not all that unpleasant. There's definitely some comedy, comedic elements, certainly on my list anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, also, since we're talking about things that characters in media have actually done, we're going to probably get into some spoiler stuff here. So we'll try to give you a little bit of warning before we get too much into any individual heavy spoilers. Um, but just be aware that could happen. So mm. uh, Scott. Call continue on with uh, your topics. Yeah, that, no, you're good. I, that's the majority of what I wanted to say about him. I mean, just when I think about some of the other fathers in South Park, uh, other ones that come up, they at least have more redeeming qualities and are occasionally good dads that he just is not. And, and it shows. And I think Butters, it's a wonder that he's such a pleasant little kid, given all the crap that he has to be put through by his dad. The first, the first question I'm going to bring up is, are there any good fathers in South Park? <laughs> um, it depends on the episode, really. Uh, it, Randy Marsh, not a great father, but he has no, that's, his that's, he has his moments. That's the the prime example I was thinking because I watched I've watched a, a good amount of South Park, but it's been a while, and I honestly don't remember that much of Butter's stuff. But I do Butter's dad stuff, but I do remember a lot of uh randy stuff 
as being yeah. particularly egregious. My initial list actually did include Randy in this spot, but then I realized, no, Steven is way worse and definitely deserves to displace Randy. And I was also thinking maybe Kyle's dad, but no, large by and large, he's, he's actually pretty good. So anyway, I, I digress. I, I think Steven's my number four and, uh, I'm gonna stick with it. Is is Butters his first name or last name? I I am not a South Park guy. It's his first name. Okay. Everyone knows it's Butters. Butters is his first name. Last name is Stotch. S T O T A T C H. That's you should have also uh, mentioned that. That's also reason for being a terrible father. Naming your child Butters Stotch. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That that's not the best name, is it? I don't think so. Pun-based names are cruel to inflict on your children. This is a hardline stance that uh, Stupid Sequence is taking as a show. Wow. Mm. It's official, then. Whoa. Well, I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) Maybe we can argue about it when we come to a unified list of what our hardline rules are. Oh, that'd be a fun episode. (laughs) Okay, but enough about my number four. I think, uh, do we want to move on to maybe Dave's number four? Yeah. Dad, what do you got for us? Um, I have a little a guy by the name of Martin Bird. Mm. Are you familiar with that name, and can you identify what show that is from? Uh, that sounds familiar, but I'm struggling yes. to place it. It is Ozark. Uh, oh. Scott for the win. Very nice. I, I don't actually know it then. Marty Bird. Well, Marty Bird, and so this, this first part I'm going to say doesn't necessarily make him a bad father, but I do think it contributes he might be the most unflappable, unshakable TV character of all time. Yeah. The amount of stuff this guy goes through, and just and of course Jason Bateman does a fantastic job playing him, but um, you actually, I think for the most part, most people like Marty Bird, and as I was trying to do some research, trying to figure out, well, you know, what are some, um, because I don't remember all the seasons, because it's, you know, there's, I think, five different seasons, and I kind of was doing some research, and all these articles trying to defend him and why he's actually a good dad but uh, i do contend that he is a bad father although it does complicate things and he's lower on my list because i do think he tries at times um i'm going to try to keep this somewhat spoiler free i'm not going to get into some of the specifics but uh in the very first season um just a real basic uh rundown of the show is he's uh, like an accountant it runs an accounting firm in chicago uh, he and his um, partner are running, do, doing things with the cartel up there, or the mob, not the cartel, but the mob, and they get caught, and um, in the very first episode, Marty's partner gets killed, kind of execution style, in front of him, and then Marty begs for his life, and then they end up going down to the Ozarks to kind of get away from it all, but they have promised that they're going to, he's going to launder $5 million for the, for the, for the mob. And so as they're heavily in, he's heavily involved in crime and he draws his wife in to become heavily involved in the crime. And then his, he has a, uh, he's got two children, a boy and a girl, Charlotte, who's 15 when the show starts and Jonah's probably around 12 or 13, although that's not stated. Um, kind of one of the twists in the show is instead of the tension of when are the kids going to find out, they just tell them flat out what they're doing. Hey, kids, mom and dad are involved with a mob up in Chicago. And we have to launder money for them. So they end up buying these businesses. 
And he just gets the kids involved in the strip club and a hotel. And eventually they find out that um, the son, Jonah, is very talented um, on the, uh, with money and on the internet. And so he, Marty basically teaches his son how to launder money. In one scene, they uh, have to hide like $5 million. And uh, I'm sorry, it's $50 million in cash. and They've got to hide it somewhere. So they have the kids help them wrap it up and saran wrap and hide it in walls. And there's actually a quote from the show where Charlotte's kind of joking, says, you guys are breaking about 10 child welfare, welfare laws right now. Hmm. Um, so there's just, there's a whole bunch of crazy stuff happening in this show. And the kids are quite often right in the middle of it. And that's kind of because it's really on Marty. And it, there's times he definitely tries to be a good dad. But he just is so unemotional. And he just seems rather he's just he's just unprovocable nothing um, phases him literally nothing, nothing it's insane um he sees people get murdered in from in front of him and uh and he just kind of won't won't have emotion and he kind of is like very conflict avoidant in a way mm. and he just kind of keeps kicking that can down the road and it really endangers obviously puts his uh, family in a ton of danger so that's why I believe Marty Bird deserves to be on this list. So when I was putting my list together, I kind of started uh, and just like going through a whole bunch of different, uh, different characters of different fathers and media. I was like, well, this character's pretty bad. This one's also pretty bad, the things that they've done. So I kind of started categorizing them a bit. And uh, uh, involvement of children in crime was definitely one of the categories that I came <laughs> up with. So, so that's yeah. primarily the, ca the category that... Uh, marty falls into here yeah that's that's what i would think and his apparently his marty's motto is the family that steals together stays together okay yeah you have to or else you know you're, you're i mean going to jail the crimes yes, aside though he's actually a pretty good dad he, he's he teaches yeah. them things he gives them autonomy and uh, responsibilities for them to kind of make their own way and carve their own path and Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second. Hold on. <laughs> here we go. I feel like the crimes aside is a pretty big hand wave here. <laughs> it, 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 is a, it is quite the hand wave. And I think it, the part of it, and the reason why he's on this list is he does have the capacity. I think there's some guys that are on our list that you're going to go like, they're just like, they have some real issues. And it's not like you can cover it up saying, hey, there's some real mental problems here. But I feel like Marty knows better. And that's part of the reason mm -hmm. why I think he's even more of a bad dad, because he knows what danger he's putting in. He's not crazy. He's not a psychopath, um, which some of the other people on my list are, I think. Hmm. But this guy is could be a good guy, and he's chosen to do something specifically for the profit involved and the money. Yeah, it sounds like, um, you know, I, I have not watched a minute of Ozark yet. Um, I've heard from, from multiple people, including you, it's that really this good. is a, uh, a very good show. But it, it, good. it sounds like to me, I, I think this is pretty convincing in terms of a, a bad dad argument, because he certainly has the capacity for being a good father, but chooses selfishly to involve his kids in things that he knows absolutely, you know, felony level stuff that they should not be involved in affecting yeah. the rest of their lives. And I would add one more part of my argument uh, with Scott, and you'll know more than and Josh, you won't know, but 
So he's got his own two kids, but then he takes a character in the show under his wing named Ruth Langmore. Mm -hmm. And let's just say his effect on her is mixed, but it ends, uh, I think overall, it's a very negative effect. He makes her life much worse. Although she did not have a good life coming in, there's a little bit of a bump where it seems like it's getting better, and then it just goes very, very poorly from there, where at Mm. the end of the show, she despises him. Part of that, I would argue, is not his own doing, though. I I think there was a lot of external factors there, and and I really don't want to get into spoilers on this, but... Sure, she grows to resent him in a lot of ways, and okay, let's let's not get into it too much. But I, I yeah. can definitely see that. <laughs> yep. But we also said no father figure, so that doesn't count. Oh, that's right. true. Good if point. if Good if point. if he is not, I think that portion of it, if he is not actually taking on a formal parenting responsibility, I don't know if we can consider that as a, as oh, a strike that of strike the, that from the record. Argument. Strike that from the record. Yeah. But it's a good it's a good selection and. It was on my honorable mentions list, so I give you good credit for that one. Didn't quite peak my top four, but all right. We're on to Josh. What do you got, Josh? Yeah, we can we can jump into my top four here. Uh, mine is from a franchise that I have previously mentioned on this show last week, I believe, or last episode anyway. Uh, I'm talking about one Straff Venture from the Mistborn novels. Oh wow father to uh ellen deventure and in the interest of spoilers we'll just say others parent father to others as well um straff's a real bad person a real real bad person scott i believe you've read the first book in this series right correct uh straff appears briefly, briefly. Uh, a couple times in mm-hmm. the first book you hear a lot about him um, he's a much bigger presence as kind of a central antagonist of the second book. Um, we're going to get in. Uh, it's kind of unavoidable. We're going to get into some more spoilers here, most specifically for the second Mistborn book, The Well of Ascension. Uh, well, hold on. Can I mute then? Because I, I haven't quite finished the second book yet. I'm not sure if I want to get spoiled. I'm not going to dig into it too much. You're just you're going to get a little bit here. All right. It's uh, un- unavoidable unfortunately um it's my own fault i should have finished the book by now so a little bit a little bit of uh backing here on the the world of mistborn the uh, talked on a previous episode a little bit these characters who can people in this world who are of a particular bloodline the nobility bloodline they have a chance to have magical abilities fueled by ingesting metal it's a whole weird thing that we don't really need to get into What's important is the these abilities only come out, only reveal themselves under extreme duress, an extreme stress. Um, it's referred to as snapping in uh, in the books. The people with these abilities are called allomancers, and you say an allomancer has snap when they kind of reveal, they f- f- discover for themselves that they have these powers within them. So as a result, it is common for people who are born to the noble class of this particular bloodline in this world uh, to be beaten severely when they uh, come of a certain age. And this is something that Straff, we don't know whether he did it directly to his son, Ellen, or um, hired it out or hired it out, knowing what we know about Straff as a person through reading these books. Good chance he hired it out. 
Um, not because he didn't specifically didn't want to do it to his son, but he just it's a waste of his time. Can't be bothered. That kind of a that kind of a person. Um, so we'll start with the physical abuse. That's a that's a good one there. Um, and then when we're talking about this, it's talking about like beating beating them within an inch of their life because if you don't, then it might not be enough to um, to kind of reveal the power within them. Um, and then in Ellen's case, it turns out he doesn't have powers anyway, so it was all for nothing. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, have his son beaten within an inch of his life for nothing, ultimately. So that's that's fun. That's a, that's a fun thing that Straff did. But if he didn't do it, we wouldn't have known if he had powers or not. So it's kind of Schrodinger's beating. Schrodinger's beating, absolutely. Hmm. Another uh, item on the list, um, when Ellen, uh, around this time, Nelland came of age, I believe in the book it's mentioned at age 13, um, he forced his son to uh, sleep with a prostitute to make him a man. Uh, I forgot about also, that. Also of note here, um, the, the person that he had this done with was of kind of the lower class of people in this world, the oppressed class that are called the Ska. Yes, I know it's not a great name, um, but it's with two A's, not just one, so it's not like the music. The, uh, according to law, uh, the if a nobleman sleeps with a Ska, has to have them killed. So that's what he did. He forced his son to sleep with a Ska prostitute and then had her murdered and told him about it. So that's a good, that's a good burden to place on a 13-year-old. Yeah, you know, just a fun. That's a fun thing for him to experience. Um, so it may surprise, may not surprise you to learn that um, very early on in his life, Ellen kind of developed a deep resentment and uh, disrespect for for Straff. Well earned. Yeah, for sure. So he they they develop a pretty adversarial relationship, and he basically thinks Ellen is worthless and and just a huge waste of time and everything. Um, and kind of over time, you learn that a big piece of that is, well, if if Ellen doesn't have powers, then and that Straff can utilize as a tool in his toolkit of political intrigue and getting what he wants out of um, the world as the most kind of the most powerful, great how great noble house in um, in the capital of this empire, um, then he's a worthless waste of time. I'm feeling pretty good as a dad right now. I'm thinking yeah. I'm doing a, I think I did a real good job. You hmm. didn't do a single one of those things to me, so I appreciate oh. that. <laughs> and the, the <laughs> other thing is that I, I mean, with this, these, I, this is this list is going to get a lot darker if this is our starting point. Well, mm, not necessarily. It's going to get darker in some ways, and it's going to get lighter in some ways because <laughs> um, I can tell you other items that I have upcoming on my list are um, I have as worse because there I think there's worse things than these but there's other items that are uh, other characters that are presented in a much more lighthearted fashion despite doing ultimately very despicable things so sure. you know we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes yeah so i i didn't even consider sorry i didn't consider him at all uh, when i was thinking about my list but as soon as you said his name i'm like oh yeah well mm-hmm. he should probably have been on my at least my honorable mentions i mean awful awful person and i remember even in the limited interactions we got in the first book as his character appeared, just feeling a lot of anger toward him for Ellen throughout the whole scenes that he was actually involved. And that's a, it's a good addition to the list. Good starting point. 
Yeah, I would agree. I've read those books as well. I think the re- my excuse for not putting them on my list is it's been quite a while since I've read those, that first trilogy. But if you have not read them, I would highly encourage you to read them if you like fantasy. The last thing about Straff I wanted to mention is, um, this is a little bit more spoilery for um, for the second book. I'm going as light as I can here. He, You find out in the first book that he kind of has a reputation for sleeping around and frequenting brothels and having mistresses and all, all sorts of things like that. Um, what you don't learn until the second book is it's not really just kind of him being a horn dog, um, just sleeping around as much as he can. This is a very targeted act he is doing. He is trying to generate as many children as possible in the hopes that he is going to generate children with the with, that are Alamancers with these magical powers so oh. then he can use them as he wants to. So he is trying to become to father more and more children, to become more father father to more children with the express intent of just using them as tools and not actually valuing them as people. Wow. Which is pretty despicable. Pretty reprehensible. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Hmm. But yeah, that's all that's all I got for Straff. Yeah. That's all I've got as he finishes his fifty item list. (laughs) Oh, the next the next one's I got way the next one is less of a severe on my list is less of a severity of um acts and more of a volume. (laughs) But we'll get there in a minute. For now, let's jump into Scott's number three. Hmm. Makes me wonder if it's one of the other ones on my honorable mentions. A near miss, if you will. That was, that was your number four. Yes, my number three. And I, I have a feeling we're going to have some overlap here. Potentially Dave and I. Oh, boy. Okay. okay. But yeah, I'll call my shot there. My number three is Walter White from Breaking Bad. Yep. There you go. Nailed number it. Number two. He's my okay. number two. You guessed correctly. Yeah, this, I think, uh, it, a lot of the same things that apply to Marty Bird, because I, I believe Ozark is largely inspired by Breaking Bad. Just oh, absolutely. Given the general nature of what they're covering here. But it does take a completely different approach, and the characters are completely different. At least the main. But there's characters. a lot of there's a lot of similarities for sure, for sure. And Walter starts out very well intentioned. You know everything he's doing, he's doing for his family. And I believe the majority of his early season one, season two actions reflect that. And I, I think it's really. We start seeing a turning point around three, four. He misses the birth of Holly, for example. Uh, obviously, he becomes a drug kingpin, kind of a big deal. Um, I, I just I can think of a number of very specific things, but largely and broadly speaking, it's it's the drugs, right? It's he's manufacturing drugs for the cartel. That's pretty big in and of itself and despite what you can lie to yourself about i'm doing this for my family and i'm doing it to give them a better life and maybe it started that way it it just becomes his own selfishness and greed and he becomes the evil he breaks bad i guess if if you will and you see 
the degradation in him as a parent as time goes on as he's interacting with his children and i mean at one point he even kidnaps holly for example i mean that was awful he forced walter junior to drink there was an episode where they're all kind of chilling in the backyard and kind of relaxing and he's got like a some kind of an alcohol there vodka or something and he lets walter i think his son walter junior have a drink and then he just kind of forces him to drink and i think his brother-in-law was sitting there and he told him oh come on we don't have to force him to drink he's like he will drink he's my son like okay calm down just awful and i think the really the boiling point for me was when he was fighting his wife and she's like wielding a knife, a huge kitchen knife mm-hmm. at the time in front of the kids. That's, it's not great parenting. I, no, I, that's true. I, I don't know. It, well, you know, Josh, has your dad ever done anything like that? <laughs> um, I'm legally not allowed to talk about it, actually. No, no, of course oh, not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never done anything like that. To my knowledge, my father is not a drug kingpin. No, no, you, we would have had a much different upbringing. You would have been able to afford much more fancy trips. That's true. There's also the whole scene where he's teaching Walter Jr. how to drive and uh, yeah, arguing with him over that. He kind of blows up on him. It's not great. Not great parenting. And yeah, no. I don't know. What, what else did you have on your list regarding, I mean, he made your number two, so he even beat out additional spots for you. You know, it's funny, Scott. It's almost like you read my notes. Um, I, I had some of the, those exact same points to bring up, but to to yeah, it was just he's just a he starts out as I think a very good guy, and then he gets seduced by power, and then you know at the very end when he's confronting Skylar, his wife, he says, "I did it because I wanted to, because I liked it." Um, so yeah, and a, a couple I, I wanted to throw a couple fun facts out there. Because um, I, I listened to Brian Cranston on a podcast, and um, he Vince Gilligan wanted Brian Cranston from the get go to be Walter White, and the people at AMC that produced the show said, "No, we know who this guy is. He's the goofy dad on Malcolm in the Middle. We're not interested. No one's going to buy it." But Josh, you'll probably you may remember this, but um, Vince Gilligan directed an episode of X Files that Brian Cranston was in. I didn't know that that lined up. Yeah, Brian Cranston played an anti-cinematic guy with a terminal illness who took Mulder hostage. And Mm -hmm. so instead of making him a sympathetic character, they made him a guy who is loathsome, and Brian Cranston pulled it off. And when Brian Cranston gets a phone call from Vince Gilligan's people saying, we want you to play this part, and it was like like 10 years earlier. He says, Mm -hmm. I can't even remember Vince Gilligan remembered who I was. Wow. And they actually asked John Cusack and Matthew Broderick about the role, and when both of them turned it down, they went to uh, Brian Cranston, and that's how he got to be Walter White. It, it is so impossible to imagine either one of them in that role, anyone, really anyone other than, than Brian Cranston, for sure, but certainly not the two of them. That's what AMC was saying, though, is no one's going to believe it because everyone knows him as the goofy dad and Malcolm in the Middle. Ferris Bueller is Walter White. No, I just... <laughs> no not seeing it so that's my ad so i'm with you scott um i think he walter white absolutely deserves to be on this list i've i've, I've watched through all of breaking bad 
but I haven't watched a minute of it since the show ended. I've been, my wife and I have been watching through uh, Better Call Saul more recently, so but good. it's been a long time since I watched Breaking Bad. So I definitely considered Walter White when I was going through my list, but I, he didn't end up making the cut for me. And I'm going to be honest with you, I just flat out didn't remember a lot of the examples that you guys listed. So I was when, when you brought him up, I was prepared to argue a little bit more. <laughs> but I think a lot of that kind of breaks down and going, oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. Oh, yeah. yeah, he did kidnap his infant child. Oh, and you know what he also did one time? He brought pizza home for the family and he got mad and threw it and the pizza ended up on the roof. Oh, so more, God. more evidence. Awful. Yeah. Just possibly the worst thing. Oh, my oh, gosh. Agreed. Everything else may be slightly forgivable, but pizza Fails on the roof? No. And you know what? We could kind of in the same manner that Ruth Langmore, her relationship to Marty Bird, we could speak about Jesse to Walter. But oh, for give, sure. Given that it's not his actual father, uh, maybe it, it doesn't count in this case, but holy crap, we could get into some stuff with that. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I would say Walter even had the opportunity to take a more formal role in being beyond just being a father figure to Jesse. There's multiple opportunities for that. Not like literal adoption, I don't think, or anything, but like way more opportunity to actually put effort in to try to be a father figure to Jesse. He just rejects him at every single turn. He's and active disdain him. for him at all times. Yep. yep. Anyway, that was my number three. Uh, and since, Dave, that was your number two, why don't we just go ahead and move on to your number three as well? Okay. And, uh, Scott, I, I, I hate giving you the satisfaction, but this is one you called out before the show started um, <laughs> that I might have on my list. And you are correct. It is George Bluth Sr. From what show, boys? Arrested Development. George Bluth Sr. is a disgusting man. He sure is. He is a man who will use anything around him to manipulate those into doing what he wants, including his children. He's got uh, a couple boys. He's got Michael and Job, um, which would, it looks like it's pronounced Gob, for those of you who don't watch the show. Mm -hmm. And then there's Lindsay and Buster as well, although Buster's not his son. Um, he is just cruel and manipulates every single one of them. He's a criminal. He builds horrible houses. He housed Saddam Hussein. He's building houses, uh, you know, overseas. <laughs> um, but he's always berating Buster because it's not his son, so he's always cruel to him. Um, he's always undermining uh, Job, making him feel awful. Every once in a while, dangling a little bit of encouragement out to him, but only to strip it away. And then the oldest, Michael, uh, he will, refuses to really give him any praise. But again, he'll string him along just enough to get him to work hard for him to try to earn his praise, but then he'll never really get it to the extent that, that, uh, that Michael wants it. He's also terrible to uh, his other adopted son, Anyang, and uh, his grandkids. He's all, also awful, too. He enticed Job and Michael to fight frequently. He videotaped them as boys and sold the videotapes cleverly called Boy Fights. <laughs> he used faith and religion to manipulate his family um, when he was in prison. Um, one of my, we're talking about humorous things, obviously. Um, one episode was how he used a friend of his called J. Walter Weatherman 
to teach the kids lessons. Um, Mr. Weatherman had a fake arm, and it would frequently get ripped off in different ways, and the kids would be screaming automatized, and then they would reinforce the lesson George was trying to teach them, and that's why you always leave a note, or that's why you don't yell, or things like that. So um, he, it's done in a very, very comedic way, played by George Tambor, um, and he is a terrible man, and I think he deserves to be on this list. Yeah, uh, I, I heavily considered uh, George Bluth for certain. Um, did not uh, probably would have made my number six. Looking okay. at looking at my list here, uh, I didn't actually fully flesh out a top ten, but I think he's probably my six or seven. Uh, I very enjoyable character, just a just a huge dirtbag. <laughs> so oh, real quick, I'm gonna interrupt for a second because. Mm-hmm. I have only watched a few episodes. I tried to watch the show straight from the beginning. I made about three, four episodes in, and I just something about it. Maybe the timing was wrong when I watched it or something. I just couldn't get into it and got off on something else. So I just, I don't know. I guess I should give it another shot because I've seen clips online, and Josh has talked about this show so many times over the years. It just seems like something I definitely would enjoy, just broadly speaking, and yet I still haven't gotten into it. So maybe I give it another go. I'm gonna I'm gonna write it down here and put it on my list. If I think the best thing I can say for the show overall, in terms of whether you'd like it or not, is if you if you like the callback, if you like recurring jokes, if you like episodes that can cleverly weave jokes through the fabric of not only individual episodes but also the show itself and just pluck them into place at the exact right time, this is the show for you. And a lot of puns as well. Oh my gosh. A lot I, of puns. Ju- you know what? That reminded me of something, and as a result of it, reminded me that I forgot somebody that should have been on this list, and I... Oh, man. All right. Uh-oh. never. It'll go in my honorable we'll mentions. Him. We'll get them in the honorable mentions. Darn it. Yeah, I, I, I think I, you know, all the examples you bring up about uh, Mr. Bluth are, are great examples, Dad. Uh, for me, he just didn't quite eke it out over some of the uh, over Straff or the upcoming characters I have to mention. But I do think he's an excellent addition to, uh, to your list, for sure. Cool. I think so. I, I've only seen a couple episodes, and I agree. I mean, in the first episode alone, they already set him up as just an awful person selling out his kids. Yeah. You know, I'm going to jail. Well, you know, it doesn't have to be me. <laughs> yeah. And it's really, making it's him an work awful as, family, really. Oh, yeah. The whole thing. And talk about bad moms. I mean, Luce, you know, Lucille Bluth, also very, very terrible. But yeah, he's on the I think he should be on the list for sure. R.I.P. Uh, Jessica Walter. Yeah. Good addition. Josh. Thank you. Josh, why don't we uh, jump over to your number three? My number three is a character, I think this is another one that you're going to be more familiar with, Scott, than my dad. We're going to be talking about one Frank Reynolds from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Played by Danny DeVito. I've heard about, yeah, I don't know it, but I am aware that this is a, he's a real bad, real bad, he's a bad dude. Um, I'm going to start right up front here by saying Given the nature of this extremely long-running sitcom and um, how there's not really overarching plot or anything here, I'm going to be playing extremely fast and loose with spoilery stuff here. 
because nothing really matters to overarching story in this show. So I guess if you're sensitive to that on this kind of show, maybe skip this segment, skip, skip a few minutes ahead. Frank is the presumed father of Dennis and Dee Reynolds, uh, who are central characters on the show. He is actually not the real father, but is their, uh, kind of their stepdad ultimately, but they all thought they were related growing up. He is just an awful, awful, awful parent (laughs) in so many ways. We know from various things that, uh, various episodes that he, uh, at when they were kids, uh, he would figure out what that, you know, ask them what they wanted for Christmas and then buy those gifts for himself and not let them have them. It's just a good, that's a good way to be a parent for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, most of the rest of what we see is him interacting with them as adults. Uh, he, uh, something I forgot to mention here, he may actually be the real biological father of Charlie, another major character on the show. But that is unconfirmed. That's more like a, well, maybe he might be. It could line up. Other, I'm just going to kind of rapid fire some things out here that uh, that Frank has done that we know. Coercing his children to commit a large variety of criminal acts. Waterboarding D. Pimping out Dennis. Coercing oh. D to be a boxer and forcing her to fight other people. Coercing D to pretend to be his fiance. Oh. He has sex with a sex doll of his son. Dennis. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh no. Yep. Um uh why is that bad? Exposing Yeah, yeah. Um exposing himself. Um I mean, this may may or may not be intentional in in a way. Exposing his uh fully naked body to his children. Mm. They're adults at the time, but still not great. No. Uh he's uh he's just a he's a bad man. But a very funny character. Uh, when I, I I'm also lumping a lot of things into the uh, coercing his children to commit criminal acts. Uh, this is another one that I think largely the the bulk of it here falls into the whole criminal category, kind of like a uh, kind of like a Marty that you mentioned before from Ozark. But uh, the difference between Marty and uh, Frank is that Frank has not one bone of good parenting in him whatsoever. He is just kind of a wrecking ball of a uh, of a man in terms of parenthood. Hmm. I th- I think I'm gonna pause for a second there and tell you he he does have some redeeming qualities. Not a ton. Oh, for sure. I don't think they involve parenting though. Well, I, he financially, I feel like he's at least an okay parent, right? How many other dads would fund their kids' unauthorized sequel to Lethal Weapon? Hmm. Not many, <laughs> but Frank Reynolds will. I don't know that you can necessarily call the the extended financial support that Frank does provide as always a positive. Frequently it is used in as either a manipulative option or we are coming up with this ridiculous um frequently criminal enterprise and I'll go, "Yeah, I'll put some money in for that." Yeah, exactly. He's he's willing to, you know, help. It's keeping their dreams, it's keeping their dreams alive. Right. Supportive supportive of their ideas, yeah. including when they're really terrible. It's important. He's trying to buy their love. Aren't we all? I, I think you could arguably say that uh, this is kind of the defining role of Danny DeVito's career at this point. He's he's played the character for, what, like 15 years at this point or something absurd. Mm. Uh, and yeah. definitely one of my favorites on the show. Um, and, and, and very far from all episodes of the show, but a very large number of them 
uh, rotate around how bad of a father he is or him coming up with new and exciting ways to be a bad dad. Yeah, it's not great. I, it's, it's really hard to argue. That was, that was the only thing I could potentially add to it. Was he on your list at all, Scott? Frank Reynolds was not yeah. on my list. It's not, I, I, I've never seen the show. I'm aware of it, but I've never seen the show, so that's why he wasn't on my list. But he sounds like a peach of a guy. He probably would have made my top ten if I had extended my list a little bit. Yeah, he, he, he's, a, he's a fun character, but certainly a bad dad. Not great. Entertaining, though. All right, why don't, we, uh, why don't we jump over to Scott? We're back around to you on the circle. We're going to jump to your number two. So this is interesting because my number two is a familiar actor known as Danny DeVito. Oh, as okay. Matilda's dad, oh. Harry Wormwood, in the movie Matilda, or the book if you prefer. Harry Wormwood. Good name. So for those of you who are not familiar with the character Harry Wormwood in the opening sequence of the movie Matilda, they're talking about how it's a nice neighborhood, but they are not nice people. I mean, as a parent, he's neglectful. Uh, He is a criminal. As a car salesman, he frequently utilizes illicit tactics including rolling back miles on cars and and teaching the kids how to do that. Uh, And in general, he's just plain rotten. I mean, he's constantly chastising Matilda just because she's smarter than him. And as a kid who thinks they're smart, like especially a young kid that's really kind of in their formative years, watching this movie, you're like, oh my God, I'm so smart. And... God, he's just a terrible person, and I I can't say that I could relate to the parent aspect of it, but any movie where kids feel like they're smarter than adults, I I felt like I definitely related to in some manner. And so beyond that, as a a terrible father, uh, he's he's very quick to dismiss her, never praises her. Uh, At one point, he catches her reading a book when they're all watching TV together and, you know, eating TV dinners. And and he's like, well, why aren't you watching TV with the family? It's family time. And she says, well, I'm, I'm enjoying my book, Moby Dick by Herman Melville. And where a good dad might see this as a, an opportunity to cultivate an interest, right? Oh, I'm so happy that you'd rather read. He immediately just yells, Moby, what? And then he takes the book from her, he tears it to shreds in front of her, and he insists that she watch the quality TV show that they, they're watching, and I think he even holds her eyes open. It's, it's pretty bad. And, and then beyond that, because she's insisting constantly that she should be in school, she wants to learn, she wants to be educated, he uses that as a bargaining chip. And he enrolls her in a school only after he sells this piece of crap car to the school's principal, who happens to be one of the worst people also when it comes to dealing with children. And he he sees her and thinks like, oh, yeah, she's going to be the disciplinarian that my kid needs to to finally tame this unruly bookworm. And then like, 
it, it's just it's really bizarre. So he, I don't know. It's really any wonder that he should have been allowed to reproduce in the first place, but <laughs> that he's been raising these kids and her brother seemingly is happy and and just kind of dumb and happy to be part of the stupid family and and she's shunned and it, and it's really too bad because she's quite bright well i don't know scott i think the whole idea of taking herman melville's moby dick which in have never been able to make it through and i think is an awful book and taking away from her is actually good parenting that's my argument there you can't mm. argue against that terrible book <laughs> i uh i I have not seen Matilda and was not familiar with the story, and I didn't actually know Danny DeVito was even in it. I did know he directed the movie, though. Uh, Yeah. Scott, are you familiar with the uh, anecdote about Danny DeVito, the man's good parenting on this movie? No. So Mm. I'm just briefly going to go through this, because I think this is an interesting aside here specifically to this uh, point. Um, so okay. the actress who played Matilda, uh, uh, Mara Wilson, she oh. was, you know, obviously just a little girl. Yeah, I do know what you're talking about. Go ahead. Go ahead. Little girl when they were filming this movie. During filming, her mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so Danny DeVita and uh, Rhea Perlman, who's uh, also involved in the movie, um, they uh, kind of both stepped up and, and offered to help out and take care of uh Mara. take care of her when her parents needed to you know deal with stuff like dealing you know her having cancer treatment yeah treatment and all that stuff so um her her mother sadly ended up passing away a year later and Danny Vito and Rhea Perlman continued to support her and take care of her after the fact even once the movie itself was all done so just got a little bit of a funny juxtaposition there he's playing a playing just a reprehensible parent in real in the movie while simultaneously in real life um absolutely going above and beyond and caring for this child actor when he didn't have to so because neither one of you have seen the movie i'll throw something out there that is maybe his one redeeming quality or act throughout the entire movie and that's at the very end where he voluntarily gives up his parentship as well as his wife uh, they give up their ability to be parents to Matilda so that she can be adopted by the teacher and the fact that he's willing to do that only after realizing that the FBI was on to him and coming to get him so they had to you know get out of town he she's like no I'm not going I'm staying here with this teacher if you sign these papers I can stay and he's like yeah yeah all right well you never really were my kid anyway and just kind of like signs the papers and oh at, at least doing what's best for her even if it's for selfish reasons it, exactly exactly it's mm. so well, a win-win know, scenario i think the question we need to ask ourselves is Danny DeVito has popped up on this list twice. I mean, what does that tell us about Danny the man? I don't know. I'm concerned. Well, I, I think it's, as Josh pointed out, he's he's actually a very good person in real I life. Guess. But okay. he's also very good at playing very bad fathers, yeah. which is, yeah. hmm, makes you wonder. It's a unique talent. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, you know, just off the top of my head, did the Penguin have any kids? 
I don't think so. But <laughs> I don't think any children of the penguin are mentioned in that. No, I wish they were. <laughs> little little baby penguins. Do they have kids? In, does Danny DeVito have kids in Twins with Schwarzenegger? <laughs> or in mm. Throw Mama from the Train when he's the, uh, oh, the... Yeah. That's a great role. Okay, anyway, uh, enough about my number two. I think it's... Uh, well, it would have been Dave, but Dave's number two was Walter White. And yeah. so yeah. maybe Josh? Yeah, well, I'll, t- I'll take over for my number two here, and then we'll run through the list on the number ones. Uh, my number two is Denethor from Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Oh. Hmm. Uh, if you're not familiar, Denethor is the steward of Gondor. He's a very important man um, in this world. He's he certainly parent. thinks He's so. He's the father to... Well, I would say genuinely he is. Um, he is father to Boromir and Faramir, uh, two sons. In the movie, anyway, he's played by John Noble. I think a big part, the crux of what makes Denethor a bad parent is extreme favoritism. He very, very obviously and admits, though, to Faramir that Boromir's his favorite. Just kind of over and over and over again, the examples that were shown throughout the movie is uh, Denethor really absolutely loves Boromir, is his absolute favorite, does not care about Faramir at all, really, other than the very most basic, like, yeah, this is my kid, I guess. There's a lot of uh, examples of verbal abuse we see and and various neglect. Most of what we see is um, mentioned in the book and depicted in the movie. This is all happening where his children are, are grown men, probably in their 30s. Even so, you can you can still absolutely be a bad parent when your when your children are adults, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I think the pattern of behavior that we see exhibited with this favoritism and disdain for Faramir is shown. It, it almost certainly is a pattern that extended back to when they were kids. I think that's that's a fair extrapolation to make. So, when things really start going off the rails here is in this third book and movie when the forces of Gondor are kind of driven back and they're under siege in the city of Minas Tirith um, and being attacked by the forces of Mordor and the orcs and all that if you're not familiar with Lord of the Rings you find that um, earlier on in, in the first movie this is again spoilers for the Lord of the Rings something that's existed for a while <laughs> uh, Boromir is killed is what? Boromir is killed as part of the the fellowship of the ring that's trying to escort Frodo on oh my the path gosh. to Mordor. Most people know about this. Um, so Boromir's killed, and his body is kind of put in a boat. He's he's put in a boat and sent down river, um, to, and ultimately ended up in Gondor, um, where his body was found and and was it was re- the news was relayed to Denethor, and it just broke him just absolutely broken because his firstborn son, the one that he actually cared about is dead. And then you'd think maybe does he, is he able to move some of that affection towards Faramir at least? Nope, not at all. He um, openly admits to Faramir that he wishes um, that Faramir had died instead of Boromir, that that he would have been cool with that. So, you know, real good, real, real good fatherly move there. 
And ultimately, um, he attempts to burn Faramir alive after he is uh, critically wounded in a uh, in a battle that in a in a losing battle that Denethor forced him into that he had no chance of winning. So tries to burn him alive. So we got neglect, verbal abuse, favoritism, wishing death upon his son, and ultimately attempted murder. Um, I think ultimately stacks up to a real bad dad. Yeah. Yeah, and then he he does meet an untimely end himself. He burns to death or falls to his death. It's not clear which one would have killed him first. <laughs> well, he was falling pretty... I think that eventually it, the fall might have put the flames out, but um, yeah, he may have been dead at some point there, mm-hmm. unknown. I'm thinking, uh, real quick, I did not even consider Denethor. His name didn't even cross my mind, but this is a good addition. Proceed. There's a lot of bad media dads, as it turns out. A lot of bad fictional products. The common plot yeah, device. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I think one rebuttal that you could make against this is Book Denethor is a lot more overtly shown to be kind of coming under the influence of um, Saruman because he's got um, one of the Palantir, which is a seeing stone, lets him see people that are interacting with the other seeing stones that are out there in the world. And so he kind of falls, he kind of ends up corrupted a bit from that. But this behavior extends before that existed, so I don't think you can pin that all on Saruman's influence. More like it was exacerbated. Yeah. And then in the in the movie, that's kind of barely even hinted at, and it's only in the extended edition even. Mm. So the, the movie version is, a, the, is even more cut and dried of a case. I think it's a good ad, Josh. I, uh, I think it's I think is worthy of being on this list of terrible dads. But I would say he's only fifty percent terrible because for Boromir he was he was great. I would argue that like even in a favoritism situation like that, you are still being a poor father to, still being a poor parent to even the favorite because you are forcing the the favorite child into poor relate potential poor relations with their siblings as a result of your obvious favoritism and i'm not going to argue that too heavily because that plays really well into my number one pick but go let's keep going into number two i I i think that helps uh uh cement what i think your number one is here (laughs) but yeah that's uh that's it for my number two so i guess scott we're back to you then yeah and like I said, there's definitely a, a bit of favoritism being played with, with this pick. My number one is, drumroll please, no, no drumroll. All right, it is Firelord Ozai from Avatar yes. The Last Airbender. Yes, I, I know. It's I, I really, at first I did not want to include him because I feel like we've discussed Avatar a number of times on here, and I don't want to keep coming back to it, but it, it, it's such a good piece of media for so many reasons that it's... I just keep coming back to it. I don't know. It's Anyway, but Fire Lord Ozai. Number five on my list, notably. Hmm. Mm. Ah, a little bit of an overlap there. And that was uh, That was my prediction as well, that there would be overlap with this one. I thought it would have been higher on your list, though, given that he is straight up evil. 
I mean, he he's a bad man. Literally beat his son Zuko in an Agni Kai, which is like a fire duel, for everyone to watch, and he scarred him on his face for life. And then right after, banished him to go on oh. what is essentially like a fool's errand, right? I mean, nobody had seen or heard anything, and he's like, oh, yeah, go do this. And, I mean, he, he never really loved either of his kids, right? Um, mm-hmm. And any piece of affection that he did show was essentially hollow. His daughter, Azula, kind of drove her into madness by praising her, yet not really showing her any actual love. Continually pushing her more and more toward, in a very manipulative fashion, to, towards performing more and more depraved acts, ultimately. Yes. Uh, kind of like Straff Venture, in the sense of viewing them as tools or... Very much things so. to be manipulated for his own benefit. I mean, so he also drove their mother out of their life. Uh, he killed his own father in a power grab, and he committed numerous war crimes. Um, totally fine with indiscriminately murdering the Earth Kingdom citizens for the safety of the <laughs> a, a blimp, right? Uh, but you know, that's anyway. Other other notable item that I had in my um, notes here, um, early on when Zuko was born, uh, he came to the assumption that Zuko was not actually a firebender, did not have those magical power, was not born with those kind of magical powers, uh, because he didn't think he had the right spark in his eye as an infant, and so he intended to just abandon him. Yeah, but the only reason that he didn't was because the uh, his his wife was like, "No, this is not okay. We cannot do this." Yeah, he he's really just evil. I don't know that he has any redeeming factors. Not once is he portrayed as genuine or loving or fatherly in any kind of sense. And well, certainly not in the show. Uh, you get there's, they they do a little bit of trying to redeem a little bit of Fire Fire Lord Ozai from the comics. Mm. Sounds like retcon to me. Um, I refuse it. It's 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 more of like they they acknowledge that like there was a time period when the children were young that he actually like tried to be a father, and I think that lasted a short period of time before he's like, ah, I got more important things to deal with. So on, in a way, that's almost worse. Mm. Sounds. Maybe non-canonical, unless it aids to my discussion, in which case I accept your, it. No. <laughs> your argument. <laughs> okay, but that being said, I, I just, I struggled to find any kind of redemption for him, and that was the reason that I ended up putting him as my number one. He's just, just awful. Just an absolutely terrible father in every sense of the word, and oh man, I'm very fortunate that my father was not Fire Lord Ozai. Do you think uh, he ever got any Father's Day cards? Fire Lord Ozai? Probably not many. Prob- oh, he probably did because well, maybe they went Missoula. to fire school and they probably forced him to make those cards, you know? That's, oh, that's you light true. up my did life. Or, uh, I don't know. Something <laughs> stupid. He lit, he lit the cards on fire. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Like, he handed it to him as soon as they left the room. He was like, I burned just, it up. Just compulsive. Right there. This point. That was my flame noise. Dad, we got to get you to watch Avatar at some point. 
I know I started and then I, I just got distracted or whatever. It's, it's, it's a bit anime ish. And, uh, Americanized I'm, anime. I'm not a big, you are anime. You are, you are very violently anti-anime. I, I am. It's just not uh, a medium. It's not a, a genre I enjoy very much. But you're right. Carol and I do want to. My wife. Um, we we are. We I do think we'll go through it. There's just a lot of good TV to watch. There sure is. It certainly feels that way. And every time we end up having one of these conversations, it's like oh, I don't got to add that to my list too. And yeah, I know. I need to quit my job and just watch television. Oh yeah, isn't that the dream? <laughs> stop stop raising and your that's kids a professional critic that's what a good dad would do you're gonna make your own list one day scott if you uh follow through with that um, oh man take the advice of josh's dad to become a worse dad is what you're saying that's right that's that's exactly what i try to do with people ah, uh-huh. okay okay yeah that's not manipulative at all okay uh no not at all i never manipulate people especially in board no. games oh, well let, yeah another let's story get, let's not get into that right now a story for another time. <laughs> okay, but that being said, Inside joke. that's my number one with a bullet. Dave, what is your number one? My number one is, uh, ladies and gentlemen and the jury for your consideration, I present to you Tywin Lannister. <sighs> okay. Uh, another I considered. Uh, Game of Thrones, for those of you who are not familiar. Uh, those of you who are familiar, I think you'll understand why I've chosen Tywin as number one. For those of you who are not, or who may have forgotten, let me give you a few details to strengthen my argument. Um, Tywin was the father of uh, Jamie, Cersei, and Tyrion. Uh, I, I, you could say maybe a redeeming factor that he had is uh, his uh, Cersei becomes queen, and she is ruthless and, and in some ways knows how to hold power. She learned that from her dad. Mm. But Tywin is a despicable human being uh, at the level, I think, that tops anyone else that we've talked about so far. Um, and not just for what he did to one of his kids, but what he did to all of his kids. Um, so with Tyrion, so it should be known, Tyrion is is a short person, and um, Tywin's wife, who he loved dearly, died giving birth to Tyrion, so he despised Tyrion the rest of his life. Mm. Um, he would play his children against each other. Uh, it's pretty well known that Jamie and Cersei were, they were twins, but they were also lovers, giving birth to the uh, wonderful phrase, twincest. Um, I think that's either happening under Tywin's watch, or he just doesn't care. He just wants to use them to uh, further the family's power. Um, he wants one of his kids on the throne. And he forces his daughter Cersei to marry a man who is just reprehensible, uh, Robert Baratheon, who she has no interest in being uh, in a relationship with, but he basically forces her to do that. Um, he you know, puts his kids in obviously a lot of danger at times. He would play them against each other. He did, I don't think he cared about his children at all. Uh, so... Later in the story, uh, Tyrion is in love with this prostitute named Shay, and then eventually Tywin takes over. He, she, st- he starts sleeping with her, and kind of and she, and part of that's on Shay as well, because she sees an opportunity to be with someone more powerful than Tyrion, and then switches. Um, but you know, Tywin's super into that, and very, I think, enjoyed uh, humiliating his son. Um, earlier in Tyrion's life, uh, he is quite close with his brother Jaime. And Jamie, uh, in being a short person, in that 
world and in that time, of course, set like a in the Middle Ages, a medieval setting. Um, Tyrion had never had sex, so Jamie was going to try to set it up. A situation where his brother Tyrion could finally have sex, but he didn't want to just get a prostitute for his brother because his brother uh, Tyrion at that age um, was about, I think, 16 or so. Didn't, would, wasn't, didn't want to, he wanted to have love and not just have a prostitute. So Jamie and Tyrion come upon a woman um, under being attacked by a guy, and it's all set up by Jamie, but Tyrion doesn't know this. And they fight the guy off, and the woman's so thankful that she sleeps with Tyrion that night, and they get drunk, and Jamie didn't plan this part, but um, Tyrion finds a, 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 a priest, basically, called a Septon, and marries this woman. Um, and of course, I'm sure this woman's like, this is great, because she knows who Tyrion Lannister is, a very famous uh, family. When Tywin finds out a couple weeks later, and he knows she's a prostitute, and he knows what Jamie did, he has his guards gang rape her in front of Tyrion, and he forces him to watch, and then he gives her a silver coin for every um, man that she just had sex with, and then she's never heard from again. Um, you gotta, you gotta hand it to that George R. R. Martin. What an imagination on that guy! I, I, I hesitate to say a fun fact here, but a fact is that uh, apparently George R. R. Martin based. Uh, Tywin on Edward I, who is also known as Edward Longshanks, or the Hammer of the Scots, who was King of England from 1272 to 1307. And that, my friends, is why I think Tywin Lannister deserves the number one space of dishonor on this list. I think uh, looking at our, all three of our lists so far, we can firmly say that um, there's a lot of bad fantasy dads mm. mm-hmm. and, and fantasy media in general. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Real terrible people. And the people who think of these dads, I don't know, I think it says, you know, makes me worry a little bit about them. That they can, and George R.R. Double R thinks of some real extreme stuff in his stories. He sure does. Wow, George. Ty- so that's my, num- that's my number and one. Tywin is not the only example of a bad father in that universe that is for sure well, <laughs> arguably most of them yeah that most father figures well father figures or parent actual fathers in um song of ice and fire are generally pretty bad people because most of the characters in that in that franchise are bad people Ned Stark, i was gonna say though, Ned Stark, you know exactly <laughs> that's why i said most yeah no, you're right you have, you're right you have the starks who are generally more positive and then his son Tony Stark. No, wait, that's a different oh, thing. Yeah. Oh, redeemable fathers. Okay. Anyway, let's not get into that list. That, no. That's a. I mean, you're spot on for sure. And Tywin was somebody that I considered. Same. My hesitation was a personal one because I've only watched through I think four four and a half seasons of Game of Thrones, and I have not read the books, and so. I didn't feel like I could put it on my list in good faith, even though I know of the character and many of his wrongdoings. Right. It just it didn't feel right to include it on my personal list. And I, I, I respect that because I, as I was researching for this, um, this episode being on here with you guys, I thought I can't include somebody that I didn't watch the show or read the book. Yeah, I would, I mean, generally agree with that, but it does happen from time to time, I guess. Yeah, it depends on the list. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fine. 
That was just my I, uh, thing. Yeah. My my I also considered Tywin and ultimately why I decided to not include him was and, and this is, you know, you can argue morality or ethics here, or semantics or whatever, but for me a contributing factor in why I didn't include him is you know, there's argument on how selfish this is versus and I definitely think selfishness plays into it, but ultimately what Tywin cares about is promoting the strength and power of his family include you know so that mm-hmm. his children are going to be in positions of better power more in control um able to do more of what they want mm. uh it's got a funny way of going about that's, that that's the driving that's the driving force behind everything that tywin does like I'd i said agree. ultimately i think there's a big selfish component of that because he, you know, it's well. It's like my family is my family is the best, and my children are going to be able to be the most powerful, and and all of that. But he has, I, I I hesitate to say altruistic, but he at least has some form of benefit for his children as the driving force behind his actions. And I think ultimately that's why I decided to not include that in favor of the other items on my list. Hmm. I would argue that even though it, I, I would say it's consistent, I don't know if it's to call it altruistic, but I think that's still very self-serving. I don't think he True. cares anything about his kids. He just is wants a continuation of his name, mm-hmm. and that's why I think I still think it's does it's not redeeming at all. Um, he's just going to use them in whatever way he can get them to stay in power. Because at times Jamie didn't even really want the power. But he sure. tried to manipulate him to get it because he didn't care what was best for Jamie. He cared what was best for him. Okay, hold on. I think we're getting into maybe some of the semantics of what drives the top ten the combined next, yeah. list here. So let's save right. that. Save that for yeah, the next let's segment, save maybe. it a little bit. That's fair. Definitely we'll That's get fair. into it more uh, here. That's in the fair. It's my part. first time. It's the first time on the show. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll forgive you. Thank you. Josh, though, I believe it is your turn to reveal your number one on your list. All right. The final item on my list is one that I don't think either of you know anything about at all. We're going to go to the land of video games. We're going to talk about Hihachi Mishima from Tekken, the Tekken series of fighting games. I almost included him. I don't. I, I would I would guess mm. that you've never even I've, pl- I've played Tekken. <laughs> That's not true. I have played Tekken. I could not tell you who this character is. Uh, well, he's, uh, I wouldn't say the central antagonist for the series, but a central antagonist for the series from time to time, for sure. Uh, this is another one where I'm not going to get super in the weeds here on Tekken lore or the story overarching, because honestly, a lot of it's very stupid, um, as fighting game stories often are. Uh, no. What's important to know is Hihachi is the head of the uh, Mishima Zaibatsu, which is the, the, the Japanese corporation that he runs. He um, has a child. Ultimately, he has uh, two, uh, one legitimate son, one illegitimate son, and one adopted son. Um, and he's terrible to all of them. Uh, most notably, his actual legitimate son, Kazuya. So, one of the important things to know about Tekken is one of the recurring dumb plotline things that they have is there's the devil gene, and people, uh, some people 
have the devil gene in their bloodline and it can give them superpowers, but also make them lose control and blah, blah, blah. It's a whole thing. Ultimately not that important other than knowing the general ideas there. So Hayachi married a woman, discovered that she has this heritage in her and everything. So because this is an evil, you know, he views as this evil power, um, he murders her in front of his son, uh, Kazuya. Um, and then when Kazuya tries to like attack him because, Hey, you just murdered my mom there. No, I think Kazuya's supposed to be like six years old here. He, um, wonders, okay, maybe the kid has this in him too. So he throws him off a cliff, which is, you know, that's a good, good, good fatherly thing to do. And as a result, uh, they had developed a very adversarial relationship. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna list a variety of things that uh, Hayachi does to not just Kazuya, his son, but also to Jin, his grandson. He uh, adopts a, another kid to try to give Kazuya a rival to just like annoy him into being a better, like uh, a more powerful person. Uh, he throws Kazuya into a volcano. He oh. throws his grandson out of a helicopter. He tries to use the bodies of his son and grandson to create a devil-human hybrid life form that he can control. Oh. He kidnaps Kazuya and Jin at times. Uh, he launches Kazuya, his son, Jin, his grandson, and his father, Jinpachi, into space strapped to the outside of a rocket. Well, we've all done that. He uh, later on has them in a space, Jin and Kazuya in a space station, and he kicks them out of it into space. Untethered. Now, I'd like to point out here that Josh does not have kids, and so he doesn't understand what it's like to doesn't be in a understand. space station surrounded by your children, and you therefore, crazy. you know, the willingness that you might have to boot them out of there for a little while. I, I just, I get untethered. it. I mean, Dave, I mean, help me out here. Hey, I've got. I mean, you've got more kids than I have. You know, I've only got four, but I mean, yeah, I'm with you. There's times. Whew. Who, who among us hasn't thrown our son into a volcano? Well, yeah, I mean, the temptation's there. You? You don't have a son. Well, true. If I did, I'd throw him in a volcano. (laughs) Per (laughs) Tekken. I would say that's a pretty good argument as to why Josh should not have a son. Well, uh, so, I think notably worth mention here, um, these games are very silly and are frequently presented in a very silly light. So most of these, if these actions sound very over the top, they are intentionally so. Uh, yeah, they sound really silly. That's, going, that's how I... They just really go for it with Tekken. It's it's pretty pretty silly. But I think if you even even with that light in that light, uh if you look at just the vast amount of absurd actions that Hayachi has taken to murder his family, son and grandson and control them and use them for their his own power and everything. Uh, that's what has him make the top of my list because it's just so over the top, blatantly awful. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Cartoonishly. They come back to life or they do not die as a result of these things? Is that what I'm understanding? That was my question. Well, some of it is, uh, fighting game logic where, um, you know. They spawn another life. Not, not necessarily like spawn another life situation, but it's like, uh, well, we, we see events we see events through these story mode chunks and ending cutscene videos and everything. Um, what these different things happen. 
And then a lot is left blurry as to what happens in between. So in like, I would say like a very comic booky type faction fashion where like, oh, we definitely see this supervillain get killed in this or this hero get killed. How many times has Superman or Spider-Man died or whatever in comics? And then X amount of years, it's like, oh, he didn't actually die because this other thing happened. Uh, There was a clone. You know, it was there was a clone, and then the real Peter Parker died, and then Ben Riley was a clone of him, and this has been Ben Riley all along. But then it turns out actual Peter Parker never died in the first place. We don't have to dive into that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's a whole other thing. Uh, so it's it's some of that where it's like ah, we're playing very fast and loose with what's actually happened. Ultimately, I don't think he actually can succeeds at killing any of them ever, but he certainly tries real hard a lot of times. So he's even bad at he's being bad at being a dad and at the murder. But his his poor murdering skills make him a better dad as a result. <laughs> That's right. He keeps them alive. I, I, he I don't know that I support that argument. He continues to be a father because he sucks at murdering. If maybe he, had he doesn't, killed them, he wouldn't have any kids. He wouldn't be a maybe, dad anymore. Maybe he doesn't really want to murder. Maybe he's trying to teach them important life lessons. I think it's fairly safe to assume that throwing someone into an active volcano is going to kill them. Generally, unless, you know, they don't. Not in a fighting game. True. To be fair to Hayachi, Kazuya also threw him, threw Hayachi into a volcano. Mm. In retribution. Mm. Also didn't kill him. No. They got weak, they got weak volcanoes in this world. Very ineffectual. (laughs) At the murder. But yeah, that's my number one. So we'll uh, we'll wrap up this segment there. Uh, we've gone through each of our top fours here. We're going to take a little bit of a break before we move into our next segment where we're going to hash out what the top 10 looks like. So stay tuned. Hey, welcome back, everyone. If you made it this far, then you're probably enjoying yourself at least a little. In that case, an honest rating or a review or simply referring a friend would go a long way to help get the word out. Thank you for listening. And now we're going to move on to phase two, and we're going to uh, briefly go over a couple of honorable mentions that we had considered when creating our lists. Dad, why don't you go first? Okay. Uh, my dis I'm going to call them a dishonorable mention. Um, Ooh, I've no, got good call. Good call. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Norman Osborn. You know who that is? The green Ooh. goblin himself. That's right. Yeah. Spider-Man. Um, my son I've mentioned got- him as well as a potential candidate for my list. But anyway, keep going. Absolutely. I've got Craster from Game of Thrones, but I didn't want to double up on great Game of Thrones darkness. Good. good. You know, who- uh, we, we, we do have a firm one, uh, one entity per uh, franchise rule for the podcast so that's fair good call uh homer simpson uh, uh art archie not, fam- bunker. not familiar who's homer simpson no i'm just kidding. it's it's a it's an obscure little cartoon called the simpsons it's just it's only been around for 20 some years um mm. archie bunker from all in the family or the uh, archie bunker show and then um i i would have included like darth vader or ego from guardians of the galaxy but they weren't really dads they were fathers but not really dads and I lightly considered Walter Bishop from Fringe. He is a bad father at times. Yes, he is. That's, that's for sure. That's my dishonorable list. I, I guess I can go next. Um, as we were having... 
having the conversation, as we were having the conversation, uh, one occurred to me because you said jokes that occur within the series and maybe there are whole episodes or maybe it's a recurring thing. Uh, that made me think of the show Community, which made me mm. think of Pierce Hawthorne's father, who happens to be just an awful person. I mean, he's a huge racist and pits his son like against everyone and just raises him to be a piece of crap. So I thought that was a good honorable mention addition. Uh, John Winchester from the Supernatural TV show raises his sons to be monster killers. And mm -hmm. they live hotel to hotel, basically no formal education, and he's largely absent because he's off killing monsters. Uh, I also had Darth Vader. I agree that he also is more of just a father as opposed to a dad. And he also largely didn't know that he had kids uh, because right. he was told they were killed during birth. So I felt like eh, not, not really a top offender here. And last but not least is Goku from Dragon Ball Z. And again, I think it's just largely due to his immaturity as opposed to intentional poor behavior as a father. And if anyone who wants to say he was abandoning his kids like for that huge stretch, it was like seven years or something like that. Um, it was because he felt like he was a villain magnet and had to leave. And while he was gone, no villains attacked. And the day he gets back, a demon rises and kills everyone. So I would say it was kind of for the greater good in that sense. Uh, and, you know, he's he's given a bad rap and he really isn't that bad. So anyway, that was my honorable mention list. What do you got, Josh? Uh, I also had Goku on my list and I'll, I'll just... Uh... Not to rehash it, but, you know, just very neglectful father for sure. Absolutely does not hang with uh, the uh, severity of the acts committed by people on our actual list. But I will say uh, Piccolo is the best dad in Dragon Ball, despite not being an actual father. <clears throat> not a dad. Yep. Uh, I have Jekt from Final Fantasy X, who is an abusive alcoholic dad. I was going to include him in my top five, but I uh, was reminded late in my building of the list that Hayachi exists, and he's just so absurd I had to put him up there. One <laughs> uh, uh, Thanos from Marvel, mm -hmm. broadly. Um, that was another you know, one that I thought of while we were recording. <laughs> yeah, I, I could have made my list, ultimately didn't, but, um, you know, uh, in addition to just being, you know, a massive supervillain, monster, evil person, also, real bad dad to his uh, adopted daughters. And also, finally, I have uh, one Dracula, most oh. notably from Castlevania, um, the, that specific version, but other instances too. Um, specifically in Castlevania, he has a son named Alucard, which is Dracula backwards, if you didn't know. Oh, man. <laughs> real creative naming choice Spoilers. There. But yeah, real bad dad, um, you know. Once his mother was murdered, once uh, his wife was murdered, just goes, I'm just going to kill all of humanity here. And you should do it with me, son. And the son's like, what about no? So he tries to kill him. Don't do that. That's my honorable. There are dishonorable mentions. Well, you, you knew that he was going to oppose his father because his name was spelled backward. backward so right yeah. from the beginning, it was just he's his opposite, obviously. That's why I don't oppose my, my dad, because my name's not Evad. Or Devad. No. Yeah, Devad. Wait, isn't your middle name David, though? Uh-oh. 
That's true. What? But it's not backwards. Ooh, spoiler. Not backwards. My middle name's yeah. also David. What? Bunch of bunch of Davids on the show today. What did that Wait, are you my Scott? dad? Oh my god. No. I, I don't no. know what that spoiled, Scott. You said that was a spoiler. I don't anyway. Oof. Man. Okay, for for this... the rich, um, stupid sequence cinematic universe that we're building. That's right. uh that's, this almost got cool. real weird. Yeah, <laughs> true. It it kind of already was, but now it almost got weirder. Oh man. All right. Well, that's the dishonorable mentions. Why don't we uh start name. hashing out what's on on the thing? So we have ten items here that uh with with the duplicates we still break down to ten, right? So I'm going to on the shared Google Doc that we have, I'm going to copy these over so we can start discussing oh i didn't write i didn't write my number one in here like a uh, fool. doesn't count doesn't count then Ayachi. don't you think scott yeah you know what i think i'll i'll help josh out here and just uh we can just All right. safely put hi hachi as like number 10 or something because... oh come on come on no, <laughs> no respect. who else is throwing someone into a volcano well it's true but i mean uh... i fire lord ozai probably has all right we we just don't know for sure. You can't prove that. There's no evidence. All right. The, uh, your your honor, this is hearsay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Heresy? What? Uh, I, I'm gonna just say that uh, Walter White, given that he was on two and three here, may, maybe yeah. probably should be in the top three of this list. If if not two, I I'll put him at three for right now. Maybe, but yeah, I I'll chime in and say, despite him not being on my list, I'm absolutely comfortable with that because, like I said, I had forgotten a lot of the things that he had done. If I had remembered them all, maybe would have made my list. I would agree. I think Walter White is a solid a three. I although there's, I think part of the thing with the the Hihachi is just it's so extreme and overboard and intended to be. I don't think that takes away what a bad dad he was, but I mean some of that stuff is just. It's just in, it's kind of insane, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's very over the top. And that's yeah, why he's so sure. bad. Exactly. He's Did a anyone bad, else he's on just this a... list strap strap his son and grandson to a rocket and launch them into space? I don't think so. I think Tywin yeah. Lannister tried to. I bet Fire Lord Ozai would do the same thing if it meant to his benefit. I uh did, I will answer Scott's persistent uh pushing of Fire Lord Ozai and going, I agree, because he was number five on my list. We should have Fire Lord Ozai up pretty high. I would say comfortably, maybe even, uh, and and this might be a controversial pick here. I'm going to throw him at number one right now. I and don't know about number one. We could, we'll just leave it there. Let's just see how it feels in a couple minutes. All right. Just. <laughs> I would also argue that if Straff Venture had the opportunity to strap his any of the potential protege or uh, offspring to a rocket. In order to snap them, that would be the method that he chose. I agree with mm. that. That sounds like something that's like more expensive than he would go for. He's not like overtly showy in a way that Hayachi is. Um, he's he's more about like what's the most efficient way to get this done. Yeah, if if fists will do the trick, why would we waste money on a rocket? Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of Elon Musk. Uh, same thing. That's true, but he's real. He is real. Is he? Is he though? I'd include him on a list of uh, non-fictional terrible dads. 
Let's anyway. not get into that right now. Anyway. We don't, don't want to get sued. Uh, how do we feel about uh, Denethor being high up on the list? I know this is, he was only on my list, but I know it's a, um, he is a character that all three of us are intimately familiar with. Yeah, he's real bad. I'm going to argue that Tywin Lannister deserves to be higher than Denethor because he was super crappy to all his kids. He was, but he didn't try to murder, he didn't try to burn him alive. We'll say true, that. True, that is, that is a, uh, that's, that's true, but I, I think Tywin has got to be top five for sure. I'm, I'm very comfortable with Tywin top five. Um, but I think Denethor, I think Denethor deserves that higher up spot than Tywin personally. Mm, I think, I think no, Tywin, I would say Tywin is much worse than Denethor. I just given what I've seen of him in in the the few seasons that I have watched, I, Denethor is a real piece of crap. But yeah, Tywin, I just nothing about him says good dad. Denethor, mm. at least part of his actions say he knows how to be a good dad. He just chooses to be a piece of crap to one of the kids. I think Tywin would have murdered one of his children if he thought it would have. Uh, I think he would have mur- murdered Tyrion if he yes. thought he could get away with it. Which is I, ironic. I, I think, if I remember correctly, this may not be addressed in the show, but it may be addressed in the books, and it's been a while, but I believe that this point is addressed, and he, uh, like, this is something that Tywin has absolutely considered, and I think has, like, it's not like a, I don't think I could get away with it, but has actively chosen not to do it, because he is his son. But he has thought about it, and he thought, this is a viable option. Hmm, should I murder him? Yeah, I don't think I should. But does does uh, Denethor deserve to be higher than Walter White? Because I Walter, think so. I think so, personally. I mean, Walter never tried to murder his children. He did terrible, terrible things. But I almost think, uh, in a compromise, if if we were to leave Tywin at number two, I would be comfortable with Denethor at three and Walter White at four. I'm just over here manipulating the list, not even listening yeah, to you like, guys. You're just, flinging, you're just flinging stuff all the way over here. Huh? Yeah, I we can re- we can rearrange. Uh, just I'm just doing a first in, pass. Uh, are we leaving Butters Butters dad off? Yeah, we did have think? eleven items here on the list overall. Yeah, I, you know, given the overall conversation and some of the contributions here, as bad as he is, and as much as I think. Butters resents him. Butters is actually an okay kid and an okay person, so it, it's hard to say that the effects of his negative dadding are are being seen by his actual child. So I, I'm gonna say voluntarily that he is the weakest of the eleven that we have here and should be left off this list. Yeah, as as someone who has watched a lot of South Park, I I don't have a lot of personal attachment to to that pick. Well, I, I almost think, though, I think, um, I mean, Harry Wormwood is a terrible dad, but I think, I think he definitely deserves to be lower on the list or maybe not on the list at all, because, I mean, if, if Stephen Stotch beat his son, um, I don't know, I don't, I think maybe he's... That's not great. I don't know that Harry, Harry did some pretty terrible things, but I don't, I don't know. That's my. I, I would toy with maybe taking Wormwood off and putting Stotch on instead of Wormwood, but uh, it's I more didn't about see that. the the rottenness that is the core of the character of Harry Wormwood because it is largely just a P 
PG, I think, film. It's hard for them to really elaborate on some of the overall negative things that he's done, but he's obviously involved in criminal activity. He's wanted by the FBI. He's teaching his kids how to do some of the illicit activities, which are one of the main drivers behind your picks of, say, Walter White or Marty Bird. And Mm -hmm. so I, I think the extent to which it's really portrayed is fairly limited just given the the children's rating of the show but um he he definitely deserves to be on this list over butters but excuse me butters dad i think we can kind of group some of our characters here into similar types uh i think if we look at george bluth frank reynolds and harry wormwood i would say they're of a type yeah mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that could, their position on the list could reflect that. And I would say I would be pretty comfortable with the three of them occupying eight, nine, and 10. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. And just because while the nature of their acts are certainly bad, they're definitely bad parents. Um, they are frequently of a less materially damaging nature, I think. Uh, we're we're in we're in the uh some of the crime block here and the lighter crime block i i i think um, yeah i i agree with that i um cuz you, you it's an interesting point you make josh because the other category we have are just like um people who are just basically insane like firelord um the firelord and Heihachi are just like wildly evil yeah. In a, almost a cartoonish way, right? Although that's a oh, video game. Literally. I think yeah. literally, literally cartoonish yeah. way. Literally. But yeah, but you know what I mean? But that does, this being the category it is, I almost think those two are very similar and, and deserve to be kind of grouped together. And just the raw evil that they're capable of and did and tried to do, they kind of are a 1A, a 1 and 1A, I think. Hmm. I've done a little bit more rearranging here. Yeah, so let's. I, I, I'm going to cut in here and say for our audience who doesn't see the um, manipulations of the list here, I'm just going to run down what we have in place right now. Um, uh, one to ten. One is Fire Lord Ozai. Two is Heihachi. Three is Tywin Lannister. Four is Denethor. Five, Walter White. Six, Martin Bird. Seven, Straff Venture. Eight, George Booth Sr. Nine, Frank Reynolds. And ten, Harry Wormwood. So I, I think the eight through ten block, I I would even say they are locked in. Um, yep. As I'm, far I'm as comfortable with where they are, Walter yep. White and Marty Bird. I think Walter is the clear winner here. And agreed. You know it. Yeah, I would agree. Bucketing them kind of in similar fashions, uh, as we said. Um, Straff Venture. I, I think it's a good addition to this list. Uh, but I don't have enough exposure to all of his misgivings to to know that he really would overtake Walter in this case. I, it seems like Walter started with good intentions and really was led astray and became overly power hungry and you know turned evil in some sense. So mm-hmm. I I has I I was hesitating to do this. But I'm going to pull out some more spoiler guns for Straff here. Uh-oh. Uh, to aid my argument. Oh so Straff, in the second book, we learned 
has another son that is a critical character, and his name is Zane. Mm-hmm. Um, and Zane is uh, someone who uh, I talked a little bit about before with the him intentionally trying to have more children to have um, one that had uh, abilities that he could use as a tool. He succeeded with Zane. Um, Zane is a full Mistborn, which is incredibly powerful in this world. You don't have to get into the specifics of it. But the thing with Zane is Zane is a similar age to um, his legitimate son, Elend. Uh, but Straff kept him in secret in, as an illegitimate son in the hopes of being able to use him as a secret tool. And it turns out he did snap ultimately and, and, and was revealed to be a Mistborn. He's just this hidden weapon that Straff has that's incredibly powerful. And in the preparation for this, he forced Zane into a life of basically absolute solitude for his entire childhood and just trained him up to be a weapon to the point where he literally drove him insane. And they just developed this very adversarial relationship to the point where Zane is is like on and off trying to kill Strath, um, but in a way that like allows him to get out of it, repeat intentionally allows him to get out of the situations that he's in. Uh, and sounds like he's cultivating an environment for growth for his kid. What a mm-hmm. great yep, dad, great career opportunities for, for Zane here, building up, building him up for success. Now it, it it, this isn't like an especially extra heinous thing that we've done w- w- that we see with out of Straff here where he is just really leaned into um, I am just going to disregard everything about your well-being and purely fuel you into the idea that you are my knife. You are you exist only to be my assassin and I don't I just do not care about you as a person in any way. I in fact, I am going to control you by thinking that i have um i I i've like created an addiction in you and that's the only way i'm controlling you ultimately he's wrong about that and and zane is deceiving him but that's that's the the links that he goes to is i'm going to to try to foster an addiction in you to to try and control you so he never manipulated him and like tainted him with love or like said oh yeah you know you're my boy i love you whatever basically not at all it's basically it's just raw so he spared him of the manipulation i would say that is a very fatherly (laughs) thing to do (laughs) josh let me ask you this what position would you because i have two things here so my first question is this where would you like to see straff venture on this list I think, think Straff belongs? belongs in our. I think he belongs in the the Tywin and Denethor running. Interesting. So you want to you you would say you would move him for sure in, ahead of Walter White and Marty Bird. Yes. Maybe a five. Now, I, given what you've said and. As somebody who has not finished the second book, I would even say ahead of Denethor, there's some I, I think, real evil stuff going on here. Well, that's what I was going to suggest. I was almost suggesting, for me, I would suggest switching Strath and Denethor 
and leaving Walter White and Marty Bird where they are. There is ultimately attempted hmm. murder that happens along the way there. Um, and if and if if you guys think the argument is more compelling, I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah, I think I think Straff. I like the I like that. I like the way the list looks right now. Actually, I think I'm pretty comfortable with it as this. So I like I, yeah, I looking at this. I think. Yeah, I I I think I can be comfortable with it. I'm good. Scott, how about you? I'm blessing this list. It blessing is, the list. It is acceptable in my eyes. All right. Well, I will do the formal rundown then. Huh. 10 to 1. Go for we it. We have at 10, Harry Wormwood from Matilda. At 9, Frank Reynolds from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. At 8, George Bluth Sr. from Arrested Development. At 7, Denethor from The Lord of the Rings Return of the King. At 6, Martin Bird from Ozark. At 5, Walter White from Breaking Bad. At 4, Straff Venture from Mistborn. At 3, Tywin Lannister from Game of Thrones or A Song of Ice and Fire. At number 2, Heihachi from Tekken. And at number 1, Fire Lord Ozai from Avatar The Last Airbender. These are, canonically, the worst fictional dads of all time. There you go. Feels good. Mm-hmm. Well, feels, feels bad, but also... It's good to establish this, um, this evil list, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. You can't have every list be happy. You can't no. have every list be positive. You gotta have some negative life. lists in there. We'll it's work, we'll work works. some more in in the future. Okay. Hmm. Well, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking the time to be on with us. Absolutely. Yeah, so thanks everyone else for taking the time to listen to us argue. And uh, special thanks to Dave for joining. It was a good time. We hope everyone else enjoyed it as much as we did. And if you have show ideas or comments, you can reach us on Twitter at StupidSequence or email us at StupidSequence at gmail.com. Our next episode will be posted in two weeks' time, and we intend to keep the bi-weekly release schedule. Josh, do you, do you want to tell the people what our next topic will be? Absolutely. Next time, uh, in two weeks' time, we're going to be talking about the top ten one-hit wonders. Yay. Cool. Have fun. Well, uh, sounds like it'll be a good conversation. Uh, I don't think we'll have a guest on that one, but it was nice to have one today. So thank you again, Dave. And uh, until next time, I've been Scott. And I've been Josh. And I'm Dave. And remember, with a little practice, you can argue your way into a friendship. Hihachi Michi. I'm the butchered that. Take that again. And outro out. music here. Oh, that's not the music.